Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we will be discussing Chile. My name is Shelley Shetty, and I'm a managing director in the Sovereign team. I'm happy to be joined by Richard Francis, senior director and primary analyst for Chile. Now, by background, Chile is rated A minus with a stable outlook. We downgraded Chile in October 2020, reflecting the deterioration in the sovereign's balance sheet from the social unrest in 2019 and the 2020 pandemic. We also believed that fiscal consolidation to stabilize government debt would prove to be challenging in Chile. Now, recently, President Gabriel Boric took over office following the last year's presidential and congressional elections, and now investors and market participants await for greater details on his policies. Meanwhile, the Chilean Constituent Assembly is pushing ahead and is working on writing a new constitution, which may entail changes worth monitoring. So clearly, lots to talk about. So, Richard, uh, what kind of economy the new president is really inheriting? How has the performance of the economy and fiscal accounts been during 2021 after a severe recession that obviously Chile experienced in 2020? And how do you see the outlook for this year? Hi, Shelley. President Boric is inheriting an economy that is overheating. Uh, Last year, they had red hot growth of 11.7%. The massive pandemic-related monetary and fiscal stimulus combined with pension withdrawals led to a consumption boom. That fueled imports helped trigger rising inflation and a large current account deficit that reached above 6% of GDP in 2021. This year, we expect growth to slow tremendously to 2.8%, given the fact that the government has ended most pandemic-related spending, while the central bank has begun to aggressively tighten uh, monetary policy rates. Political uncertainties are also clouding the investment outlook. Next year, we expect growth to slow further to 1%. On a positive note, high copper prices will help boost government revenues and exports, um, helping narrow both the fiscal and current account deficits. But even so, we believe that there are downside risks to both growth forecasts in 2022 and 2023. On the fiscal side, the deficit reached uh, 7.6% of GDP last year, and this was despite higher economic growth and rising copper prices. Um, This was driven primarily by the cash transfers that began in early uh, 2021 representing almost 1% of GDP per month. We expect the deficit to fall to 3.5% of GDP this year, uh, somewhat higher than budgeted, with the expectation that the economic slowdown will prompt the government to increase spending this year. Now, Richard, let's discuss a little bit about the new Boric administration. Uh, What are the initial signs that you're getting from the new administration in terms of economic policies? And how do you think it will affect economic and fiscal performance in 2022? Boric's selection of well-respected economists and former central bank president Mario Marcel and subsequent policy pledges uh, since he was elected suggest a commitment to fiscal prudence and a less radical economic stance than when he was campaigning. The new minister has pledged to abide by the 2022 budget, and he set a course for gradual fiscal consolidation beginning next year. He's also said he won't support new pension fund withdrawals, and the pension reforms will seek greater public involvement, but no nationalizations. Nonetheless, Borch's government envisages significant policy changes, such as strengthening environmental protections and labor rights, State involvement in the pension system will increase and social spending pledges will be accompanied by tax reforms. The government wants to increase collections by five percentage points of GDP over four years. All of these policies could dent growth prospects. 
Greater policy details should emerge soon. The government said that it wants tax and pension reforms to be among the first bills it presents as it seeks to reduce fiscal uncertainty, and it must announce as medium-term fiscal targets within 90 days of taking office, so by early June. Although Marcel has indicated that the targets could be presented even earlier. The government's pledge of 5 percentage points of GDP and new revenues over the next four years includes 1.6% of GDP coming from anti-evasion measures and improvements in tax administration. Uh, the tax reform will seek to close exemptions and loopholes, raise mining royalties, and introduce so-called green taxes. The minister now has pledged to move the, forward with the tax reforms in two stages, with the less controversial reforms moving first. Thanks, Richard. Clearly, the new administration will be confronting a decelerating economy amid high inflation, and the current account deficit is also wide, and we're also now heading into tightening financing conditions externally, uh, given the U.S. Fed tightening cycle. So how do you see risk for Chile from these developments, and have the authorities been attentive to these risks in, in terms of addressing them? As mentioned, um, you know, inflation continues to accelerate with monthly inflation reaching 1.9% in March and 9.4% on an annualized basis. This was the highest level since 2008. The central bank has already increased policy rates by 650 points since uh, fall of last year. And we're expecting further tightening, although perhaps at a slower pace going forward. So, this, you know, we're expecting a sharply slowing economy, higher inflation, uh, with the economy entering a technical recession with two quarters of negative growth. Um, you know, and this economic outlook is sparking political pressures to act. Um, the government recently announced a fiscal package uh, of about $3.7 billion, equivalent to 1.3% of GDP. Um, you know, but this plan is expected to be financed with funds incorporated in this year's budget, along with reallocations, so there's no material increase in, in government spending. Yeah, the lower house has also proposed another round of pension withdrawals, and members from the executive branch have come out strongly against this. But they now appear to be supporting a counterproposal that would allow withdrawals under a more limited set of circumstances, such as paying debt on arrears for mortgages, health care, or utility bills. So our 3.5% of GDP deficit forecast foresees moderate increases in spending beyond the current budget, and no matter, policy implementation will depend on Borges' ability to build alliances and make uh, agreements with a fragmented Congress. So avoiding gridlock could be challenging. So now, Richard, let's pivot a bit and talk a little bit about uh, the Chilean uh, Constituent Assembly, uh, which is obviously working to rewrite the Constitution. Uh, how is the process evolving and what are you watching for? Are there concerns or risks that you want to flag at this point? The Constituent Assembly began voting on articles for a new constitution mid-February, uh, coming up from individual committees, and a draft is expected in early May. The draft will then go through a process of reconciliation to make sure there are no inconsistencies or issues, and a final draft will be ready by early July. A national referendum on the new constitution will likely take place in early September. So far, 160 articles have been approved in the draft, with hundreds more likely to make into the final document. Chile's constitution currently only has 150 articles, so the, the final draft will be similar in size to the Brazilian or Colombian constitutions. The most important changes that have been voted so far to the draft could come from changes to the government structure itself. Uh, the legislature could become unicameral, 
or the power of the Senate could be diminished significantly. Furthermore, the lower house of the legislature would be able to make proposals with fiscal consequences, something now they own, only the executive can do. Um, additionally, there will be reserved seats for indigenous peoples in the Congress. The new constitution could further the process of decentralization, giving more power to local governments. You know, overall, the changes could signify a possible deterioration in institutional quality and a weakening of checks and balances. Uh, the enumeration of social rights, which has yet to be debated, but we fully expected to make it into the final draft, could add to spending pressures. Already, uncertainties over the new constitution appear to have impacted private investment and therefore growth, and support for the new constitution has fallen tremendously in recent polls. If the new constitution fails in the referendum, there's a strong possibility of uh, social unrest. On the other hand, if the referendum is approved, the adoption of the new constitution would necessitate implementing large amounts of uh, supporting legislation, which could prove time-consuming and create a longer period of uncertainty. So overall, Richard, what does this mean for the sovereign rating of Chile? How much headroom is there at the A- rating level? What can move the rating or outlook in either direction? Chile's ratings are supported by a relatively strong sovereign balance sheet with government debt to GDP well below peers at 36% in 2021, while the government has started to replenish its stabilization funds. It also has solid governance indicators and a track record of credible macroeconomic policies centered on inflation targeting regime and a flexible exchange rate. These strengths are balanced by low per capita income, high commodity dependence, and high external debt. You know, a significant deterioration in Chile's uh, institutional, institutional strengths, for example, some measures that would undermine its policy credibility or weaken its mac macroeconomic policy framework, uh, could lead to a negative rating action, persistent large fiscal deficits that lead to higher government debt to GDP, and or depletion of its sovereign assets could also um, be a downside. On the other hand, credible fiscal consolidation consistent with a, a declining trajectory of government debt to GDP could lead to an improvement. And, you know, also improvement in medium-term economic growth prospects that help raise GDP per capita, ease social tensions, and improve fiscal dynamics could also be a positive. Thanks a lot, Richard, for your insights. Uh, thank you for listening in. And more on Chile, you can access our research on our website, fitchratings.com. Thank you.